out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 127 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is promoting equality for persons labeled developmentally disabled and for their family caregivers. Labels matter. Labels matter especially when they include names like developmentally disabled, mentally handicapped, cognitively challenged, and intellectually disabled. These are names which result in stigmatization and discrimination against the labeled people. Labels matter especially when the labels result in the labeled people being shut away in institutions. Labels matter especially when the labels result in the labeled people being treated in ways that are abusive or even cruel. And labels matter especially when the labels result in the label people facing inequalities that prevent them from growing up in communities and living good lives as children, brothers, sisters, parents, neighbors, friends, students, employees, co-workers, and voters. Now, to talk about promoting equality for persons labeled developmental disability and for their family caregivers, my guest is Corey Earle. Now, Corey is president of People First of Ontario. And what he says is this. When it comes to the right to live in community, he says he knows his history. Because as a young self-advocate, he speaks for those who have worked to ensure that he and future generations will never have to experience life in an institution. He acknowledges the important work of self-advocates in closing institutions through their words, actions, lives, and sometimes even their deaths. He also acknowledges the many partners, allies, families, friends, and supporters it takes to ensure the right to live in community. But, and this is his caution, closed institutions are no guarantee of a good life in the community. So, welcome to the show, Corey. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Now, I'm going to ask you 
straight over to ask you the question. Please tell us some more about your life and your career. And also, do you have personal experience of family caregiving? Yeah, so my uh, personal life and stuff like that uh, is uh, as a young child growing up, um, growing up in a um, in a family atmosphere, um, it was trying to um, trying to grab onto in terms of my family, in terms of what decisions or what choices should be made in terms of me um, growing up and stuff like that. So I think. Um, and I also grew up, um, although faced many challenges, but also what best in terms of getting um, the community and stuff like that, um, such as being part of the community rather than a segregation element, uh, and, and that goes through education, et cetera. I then, um, I, I then over the course of this time, um, got involved with Peer First um, locally, provincially, and nationally now, um, because I believed in it. In the value and the quality that um, inequality for all citizens, not just one element, but equality that includes everyone, um, whether it be um, people with disabilities, um, families, and et cetera, and, and how we how we collaborate together. So uh, that's pretty much the that I led. Um, I've led through many community work partners, uh, working very closely part politicians rather um, to ensure that we. That the message is out there, and uh, and how we best with this community, and uh, across this province, but also across Canada as well. Thank you. Now, please tell us about People First of Ontario. Um, you're, I think, president of the national organization, and also tell us the work there f- about the work of the national organization. So, People First, who are they? So, People First is a self advocacy organization for people with intellectual disabilities. Um, and one of the goals of Peer First um, has, been, has been to ensure the institutions close down, um, to ensure that people um, who are labeled live in a community of their choice, real work to real wages, um, better education, not segregation, but inclusive education. Um, this goes on... But and also again the word development of disability system, but rather um, point it better better than labeling a person. Um, so we fight to ensure that labels such as our word and et cetera, right? Um, that's uh, across Peer First as Vice President of Peer First Canada. We do a lot more at the federal level in terms of what national issues affect may not be just affecting Ontario, but could be affecting other provinces and territories. Um, closing institutions is, is certainly across the scope. is continues to be number one concern. And, um, again, ensuring that people have a better life out in the community and um, rather than us um, have to be institutionalized, uh, et cetera. So that's the kind of work Peer First has continued to do certainly in Ontario for the last 30 years and certainly over, the, over Canada for over, just over 20 years. Corey, what does the label developmentally disabled really mean and how are the people who are labelled in this way viewed by the society that we all live in now? Corey? Yeah, 
So I think the developmental, um, I mean, you'd have to look at um, this by saying the word developmental, um, mental in that word, um, is viewed as a numeric label because the fact is, is that for decades, that's what people were in institutions, that's what they were called. Developmentally challenged, mentally retarded, et cetera. And I think by having that word um, in that say, by having that word mentioned, only will put one more label um, on us or other people that then creates that then creates that thing. Well, people then see us as different, rather, and because through the developmental disability, um, people tend to back away. Or they turn around and say, well, you know, sympathetic, oh, well, you know, need to help you or, you know, are you okay or, you know, um, just because that label word is right there and because they, um, because some people feel and some people don't, obviously, but uh, pity and stuff like that, developmental, developmental itself is a huge dramatic word that's across time that we've, um, or years have been trying to get rid of words. Uh, sometimes diminish us as individuals. Corey, I want to just ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Um, purple People first. The fact that this organization exists, that you're the president of it, and that it is so busy, suggests to me that the problems that people who carried this label face are still around. Am I right in saying that? And if so, what are the kind of things that you as an organization, People First, are most concerned about combating? So, no, absolutely. That is that is absolutely without any question um, that that's still there. I think one of the things is, is, is comment. I, um, I think... For decades, people have been put in institutions. That's where people were called that. And whether, sorry, whether they lived in an institution or not, they were still called that. I think one of the major arguments and one of the concerns that we bring forward is that label, you label jar is not human. Um, and oftentimes, as, as we've gone forward, um, people say, well, why are we labeling people with disabilities at all? Um, and, and I mean, it's getting to the point here in Lanark County, say, province of Ontario, is where we've actually taken out disabilities in our vision on how we look at things and we put exceptionalities. Um, because I think there's a lot more words that could be used out there, um, but not ones that are damaging and not ones that could label that person to the point where, um, because sometimes that will affect employment as well, where they get the job. Yeah. Corey, um, we have a minute, just a very short time. So I'm going to comment back to you in this way, that there's a long, long history, as you know, that goes back uh, hundreds of years of this prejudice against people who are perceived uh, as having some kind of difficulty of the kind that you're talking about. And... um, when I ask, and I have asked people, well, what's the difference in treatment between what well, the treatment and the reception and the attitude to somebody suffering from cancer and somebody 
experiencing the kind of challenges and difficulties you're talking about, Corrie, it's, it's kind of night and day. The, the cancer people are respected. They're seen to be going through difficulties. They're helped. Um, there's great sympathy for them. And maybe I'm going a bit too far in what I'm saying, but my sense is that it's often, too often, the opposite for people who people first are wanting to promote, wanting to bring into society, to society, wanting to keep out of institutions, and wanting to basically help and encouragement. Now, just in a word, have I understood you correctly in what I've said? Absolutely. Yep. Right. Now, we have another, uh, we have a break, because this is where we have to pay pay our rent, so we're going to do that, so we'll take the break. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Corey Earl. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you ever wanted to ask a direct question to a private investigator? If so, you'll want to listen for the Private Eye Nightline with private investigator John Siakio. John and his guest experts will answer your questions about infidelity, drug issues, custody, restraining orders, and more. Sometimes there are sensitive issues involving a family member or other loved one. We're here to help. The Private Eye Nightline is broadcast live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every week for Sex Out Loud. Host Tristan Termino will discuss everything from sexual pleasure to sexual politics. Get an insider's perspective from leaders in the adult film industry, the LGBT community, and the sex-positive world. From kink to non-monogamy, nothing is off limits. Plus, you can call in to join the conversation. Sex Out Loud airs every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Coral. Our topic is promoting equality for persons labeled developmentally disabled, and for their family caregivers. 
So let's talk about the challenges that are faced by people who have this label, developmentally disabled. So, Corey, first of all, how well are, and you know what I mean by labeled people, how well are labeled people listened to and how well are their needs understood? And what are the challenges that result when they're not listened to and not understood well enough? Corey? Well, I think... Um I think how people are this, uh, how people are labeled, and um, what their needs are. I think the fact is is that <clears throat> it, once people are labeled and stuff like that, I don't necessarily think that the needs that what they go through as being labeled are met to the expectation as a person who quote doesn't have a disability. I think the fact is is that one element would say that so if I need something. Um, and I'm labeled and stuff like that, chances are I really have to try to nail to get that. Or as a person who doesn't have a disability would be, um, would automatically pretty much, there you go. I think that's, I, I think that's one phrase that we would certainly look at. Um, and the challenges that result for people who don't listen when people are labeled, uh, results in the fact is, is that when people turn around and say, well, you could be picking that person over me, or why aren't you? Um, just because I'm labeled, why are my needs being met? Or um, because we also have to remember that whether we're labeled or not, we all face challenges, um, and I think that's really important for everyone to recognize that. Is that, um, and we all can be labeled in different many ways, but the fact is, is that people with disabilities. Um, oftentimes get more labeled, um, get more pointed out, and are, in fact, a lot more harder when it comes down to um, come, uh, understanding what the needs are. And uh, all it is is about patience and understanding what that individual who, quote, has disability. Corey, have you ever personally had the experience of people not listening to you and not understanding whatever it is that you needed at the time? Is that something that you personally lived through? Yeah, I've lived through uh, that throughout my life. Uh, in fact, I've, um, you know, going to school, going to a segregation school for that matter, and going to segregation classrooms. Um, and I think one of the things is... is um, because you're labeled, um, or if I think where, you know, it's just like being ignored, father. And it's like, do you, so why bother asking? I mean, when I was in school, I mean, you know, asking questions. Well, you know, I, I, I get where the, you know, questions, stuff like that. But at a point, it felt like going home, it felt like just being ignored by, even if I asked a question, um, and there wasn't that much help provided for that. Um, so, yeah, so uh, absolutely. Uh, I faced that over the course of my time, and uh, it's been one difficult one. Yeah. Corey, another question. When le labeled people make decisions for themselves, what challenges do they face and why? So I think when people who are labeled uh, make um makes decisions or, or challenges, uh, makes decisions for themselves, is um, it, it can become very challenging because the fact is is that 
again, I go back to we all need support whether we have a disability or not or whether we're labeled. I think the fact is if I'm if I sit there and I ask, make a decision for myself, I also not necessarily am prepared to go, okay, so what how do I get to the next step? How do I get to point C? How do I get to point B? Um, and, 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 and why? And, and so I think that's for just rational around that, um, would make me, would make me clearly, um, clearly be afraid to, A, make a decision, not knowing what, um, what the challenges that I could face with. I'm going to ask you also something else about making decisions you know, label people making decisions for themselves. Is it that other people who see themselves as different, that is, they're not labeled people, are wanting to make the decisions for the label people, or is it more that the label people are simply ignored and considered maybe not capable of making decisions for themselves? Well, what's the answer to that question, Corey? I think there's two elements to that. I think, A, that's um, the people who are labeled oftentimes can be ignored um, by, by whatever might be the case. I think the second element, uh, as you just said, in terms of uh, people making decisions for people who are labeled, um, that's, uh, that actually oftentimes does happen. And oftentimes it doesn't happen in the best interest of that individual. Um, so if we make decisions for someone who is labeled, um, is that person okay with that decision? And I'll guarantee you that chances are, um, it, it's it's not. Um, chances are the half percent is it's not because that person a didn't have any input into that decision or any feedback. So, uh, so I think that's where we call cross the gray line in terms of having other people make decision rather than let the individual make decision. Because if I whether we're when we're labeled. When we make a decision, um, it's important for us to acknowledge that the consequences we could face are, but the fact is, is that at least we made that decision and nobody else did. Right. From what you're saying, it seems to me that this question of decision-making for themselves is a very important one. Am I right in thinking that? You're absolutely correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, I want to ask you something else about rights you know we hear a lot these days about human rights and mm -hmm. rights of people so Corey tell us please what rights do the people who are labeled lack and what are the challenges for them and their family caregivers so the, the challenges for um, sorry the, the rights that people who are labeled lack is a lack um, they lack all kinds of rights, but one of the things that they lack uh, in the human rights and stuff like that is the right to be able to participate in the community of their choice, the right to be able to do what they as a citizen of this country, the right to do many things um, but are held back uh, because, quote, because they have a disability. So someone else is, and it goes back to decision-making, so someone else that is making that decision, saying, okay, well, you have limited rights. We fought for many decades to ensure the human rights, um, the, Dec 
expiration was declared. Um, but if you look at those rights, two disabilities are not um, the government per se does not uphold those rights uh, in a lot of the court cases that happen. And uh, so I think that's a challenge right there. Uh, there are many challenges um, for them and the family and the family caregivers. I think one of the things is is that even when families, um, even when someone who quote is disabled and a family member tries to help um, to intervene in terms of um, the rights and stuff like that, I think the challenge is is the court to recognize that we all need help in terms of advocating, and who better else to do it than a family caregiver? And that's where we need to, uh, and that's where it's lacking, where the system doesn't always allow um, other persons, such as family caregivers, uh, to advocate for that individual to ensure that whatever challenges is, that that person understands. And how do we how do we meet those expectations? And, and how do we, I mean, when we have rights, it should not just be for one element of citizens. It should be equality for all, and that includes the same rights um, as a human being and uh, uh, families, uh, and et cetera. So what, we, what I'm hearing from you, Corey, <laughs> is that these rights that most of the population believe they have and expect to have are not there for the people who are labeled for all kinds of reasons. Now, just very quickly, tell me what you think the major reason is why the rights are so short and mean for people who are labeled. Why is that the case? Because I think, I, I think, A, I don't think always the, the, not the government, but I don't think always the courts recognize the importance of when things are ordered or when court cases happen, that keep it in mind that whether when a person walks into court, you don't look at them as someone who has a disability. You should be able to treat them as a person walking into court saying, I, you know, my rights are broken or et cetera, and I'm taking this person to court. Well, so don't look at that individual as you quote that disability. Look at them for who they are and acknowledge that everybody has the same rights as everyone else. So we, the UN Convention of Rights um, that, that's across, not just across Canada, but across the country, we should be applying those to the court systems. But I'll tell you right now is that they're not applied to the court system because there isn't any really legislation that really forces things like that. Is that... One of the things that People First is fighting for, that is better recognition by the courts of the rights to rights, so to speak, of people who are labelled. Is that one of, the th one of your priorities? Well, it, it is a priority is questionable, but I think one of the things is, is we're working certainly with allies when things do arise. Um, and determine saying, well, look, we support that family member or that individual. I mean, there are case that's come up in terms of no picking an issue. Um, that's huge, huge concern across this province. And so we took a stance and said that the court 
should recognize a, a family member to speak up on behalf of this person. Uh, this family member just got approved uh, to do that, but I mean, it's a battle that you have to go through in order for it to happen. Um, so I wouldn't say it is a priority um, at this point, certainly not, but rather is it something that we continue to remind ourselves and remind other people um, that there needs to be recognition? Absolutely. Uh, that uh, continues to, uh, to certainly come to our, uh, certainly in my footsteps, and uh, to remove okay. that forward. Okay. Now it is time to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Okay. Gordon Atherley. My guest is Corey Earle. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you lost, fed up, knowing you're better, and yet not knowing why? Let Derek O'Neill transform the not knowing into the knowing by showing you the way. Whether it's not being able to drop the excess weight to unhealthy relationships or finances that you know you deserve. Derek provides insights that are like magnets to invite what you want in your life and repel what you don't want. Tune into Derek now to discover how to improve your life immediately and unleash the winner that you know you are and others need to see. Listen Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Racism. Healing. Oneness of humankind. It is time to join millions of people all over the world who openly talk about racial healing. Some of us are not sure how to tread when discussing race and culture. Until now. Tune in to A Safe Place to Talk About Race with host Sharon E. Davis. Engage with experts and notables. Have a question but are not sure how to ask it? Test it out with our show. It's a safe harbor to explore views and situations that we face every day. A Safe Place to Talk About Race airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Corey Earle. Our topic is promoting equality for persons labeled developmental disability and for their family caregivers. Now let's talk about the changes that are needed to relieve and remove the challenges faced by people who are labeled. So, Corey, what are the changes that are needed to help labeled people in joining together, keeping themselves informed, getting their voices heard, and generally supporting each other? What are the changes? So the changes that, that are needed to help the labeled people in joining together, so forth, 
is to really um, is to really have networks across this country um, to really establish um, something that's worth, whether it be families, whether it be individuals, but to be able to come together because at the end of the day, the same message and the same fights and arguments that's happening are ones that are benefiting that many other people are facing. So that's where we see the changes are needed to be able to help people who are able to really join forces um, with community groups, um, such as People First Local Chapters, um, et cetera. But if there isn't a local chapter in that community, but rather teaming forward and teaming up with um, whether it be family networks, that's inviting everyone, that's involving everyone, that's ensuring that what we talk about will get heard. And how do we make a stronger case, whether it be to the government, whether it be to organizations, agencies? How do we make a stronger case and say, well, you know what, this is our argument, this is our fight. We need to stand together and we will take, you know, we will stand forward and say, look, we will not take a no, but we will take a yes. Um, whatever the issue might be. I love it. Um, next question is, what changes are needed to help labeled people be better understood and respected by the community as a whole? I think the changes that are needed to help people be labeled to better understood and respected by the community is people to not label individuals as uh, um, as a person with disability, but rather looking at that person for who they are can make a community a better place for everyone. And I think when we look at many different aspects, um, I think we also need to better educate the community. It's okay to open your arms um, to people who are unique in different ways. But let's also remember that people with disabilities are not born, uh, do not just wake up one day and say that they want to have a disability. Because the fact is, is that uh, unless we're in our shoes, we don't know what people with disabilities face each and every day. And I think for us to turn around and close our door and turn around and say, sorry, um, we're just not that walking. And again, we've come a long way, but for decades, the message has been that's just put people right in institutions. We want to change that model. We want to change that way. We want to change that behavior that we've done. And Everyone needs to acknowledge that everyone's had a part where they've done something wrong, and that's by not accepting people in their own community. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you, what changes are needed to help labeled people to live a good life? Corey? The change, yep. The changes that, uh, to help people is to pretty much be an opening community, being open in um, with arms and... You know, if people who are labeled need help, to be able to lend them help when needed. If someone comes and wants to have a talk, then that's opening. And that goes across all aspects of, of, of community or, you know, across Canada, certainly. And to help people who are labeled uh, to live a good life. So people always face challenges. But they don't ask for people to turn around and pity them. What they ask is for people just to be able to allow them to be able to live peaceful in their own community. And I think if I'm walking down the street um, and someone who might be, who has a unique, different way, 
turn, I'm not going to turn around and ignore that person. I'm going to turn around and say, hey, how are you? I think that's where we need to start opening. We need to start realizing that as humans, we need to be opening. Am I asking everybody to turn around and talk to everybody on the street? Absolutely unequivocally. No, I mean, people live their own personal lives, but I think if we don't start somewhere, um, then, then people are going to feel isolated. And that's what uh, concerns me most is that people are going to start feeling isolated um, and they're not going to be like, and they're not going to want to come around me and they're going to hide themselves. And I think that's where that creates a lot of chaos and people then start feeling depressed. And uh, there's already a lot of that going on. And so we want to ensure that people continue to have a better life community and that if they ask questions, it's okay. They're not, yeah. they're not being looked down on. Corey, in this aim to help so that label people can live a good life, there presumably, and I'm making an assumption here, and you'll tell me if I'm wrong, there are times when people who are labeled do actually need help, whatever it is. Now, I'm, if, first of all, I'll, I'll make, give, make my second question and ask you the answer to them both. If I'm right about that, and I might not be, then how easy is it for people who are labeled to ask for help? Is, is there any feeling that they might have that it isn't worth asking for help because I'm, I, the person who's labeled, might be rejected? So, very complicated question, but asking for help, any resistance on the part of people who are asking to actually ask for it? First of all, I think we all need help whether we have a disability or not. Um, and so I think trying to reach out for help and stuff like that um, is, is a critical step. And I think the fact is is having having all kinds of support in the community to ensure that happens is also huge. Um, huge essential as we move forward. Is it difficult for people to turn around and ask for help? Absolutely, without any question about that. Um, and I think that's where, because that person already feels that, am I going to burden that person with my question? Or what if I turn around and say to someone, what if that person says no to me? And, you know, we we all don't like ejection well. Um, so is that going to happen? And that's where, uh, as you said, I mean, yeah, absolutely, there's no question. Have we come a long way? I like think so. Um, but, hey, there's, there's still a lot of it that goes on, so, yeah. Yeah. Still on the same topic, many people do, who aren't labeled, do actually want to be helpful and useful. They, they don't want to be uh, horrible with people. Um, but... Some of the time, I think a problem, and I may be wrong, is that they're not very sure uh, what they, the people who aren't labeled, need to send in the way of signals to the people who are to say, it's okay to ask me for help because I'd like to. What do you say about that? Absolutely. I think the fact is that people ask for help and stuff like that, or rather person turn around and um, and to be able to get that um, support, or someone turns around and, um, and says, okay, Corey, you know, I need this, I need that. Absolutely. I think the fact is that we have to look at a broader range. We have to look at that people who have disabilities um, are, um, in fact, 
um, do greater work than someone who, quote, does have a disability, frankly. And so I think what they want is, first of all, they don't want people to pity. What they want is they want to be able to turn around and say, you know what, so, so, can I do this? Can I do that? Because I'll tell you what, your disabilities are the ones that you're going to be able to trust them more, trust more. Um, they're going to be the ones that you can be able to count on more. They're going to be ones that you can be able to trust in terms of if you need any help, yeah, whether it be employment or et cetera. They're the ones that are going to be at your doorstep. Yeah, so that comes to, I suppose, what you were saying before about education of the community. Is that right? Absolutely, absolutely. Education is key. Yeah. Now, we've come to the break once more. Time goes very fast when we're talking like this. But I think what I'd like to say back to you is that uh, saying good morning to people uh, and getting a good morning back and then... having that smile and then having that openness to people who are asking for help without the people who are asking for help feeling that they're disregarded, feeling that they're bothering people, feeling that they're just a nuisance. And so that way it's a kind of equality that respects the point, and you made it, that everybody needs help regardless of how they're labeled because absolutely yeah none of us can cope with everything all by ourselves that life throws at us so on that point um it is time once more to take the break this is dr gordon latherley and my guest is Corey earl you're listening to family caregivers unite on the voice america variety channel stay tuned we're coming back Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Ever wondered what private investigators really do and how they go about solving cases? Each week, P.I.'s Declassified gives a glimpse into this little-known world. Join your host, Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator, in conversations with detectives and experts in the field. False confessions, forensic evidence, finding missing persons, exposing fraud, exonerating the innocent. All areas that Francie and her guests will cover. And have they got stories to tell? Tune in and call in to the live show Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Are you ready to change your relationships, your business, your body, and your life? You'll want to tune in to Transformation Talk Radio with host Tony Litster. It's an inspiring hour of conversation, special guests, and wisdom that has made Tony an expert with personal life experience. His down-to-earth style will give you the keys to unlock your greatest potential. Listen for Transformation Talk Radio live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listening can truly change your life. Are you a homeowner who's trying to save on energy bills and go green at the same time? Tune into Energy Saving in the Home, brought to you by 521 Compressor Saver and Home Energy Consultants with host Gary Parr and Dennis Seltzer. They have saved homeowners just like you as much as 65% on energy bills through energy efficiency practices. 
You'll learn about conservation, products, and services to reduce energy consumption and save you money. Be sure to listen to Energy Saving in the Home, live every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Coriel. Our topic is promoting equality for persons labeled developmentally disabled and for their family caregivers. So now let's talk about, Cory, the class action suits against the province of Ontario. And these class actions are brought by people labeled developmentally disabled and their families in regard to the care or lack of care that they received in certain government facilities, what you would call institutions. At stake is something like $3 billion in compensation and punitive damages, and it's to be divided among 12,000 former facility residents and their families, making this the largest legal action on behalf of the mentally and developmentally disabled ever undertaken in Canada. Now, Corey, what's the message that you think these class actions send to the people of Canada, and why should the message be heard and understood? Corey. Well, let me tell you, we're very proud to stand behind the residents uh, of these institutions to be able to take this class action suit. Um, and although um, it's a $3 million um, in compensation penalty, let me be very clear on that remark. It's the fact is, is that that Three billion, sorry, rather, is not um, is not a whole lot of money compared to the damages and compared to people with disabilities, uh, mentally, physically, etc., based in institutions. The message that um, that I think that these class actions send to people Canada is a that this should have never happened, um, and that people with disabilities should have never been put, I'm sorry, in these institutions where the fact is is that they had no say, no control as to what happened. This message um, is hopefully going to be loud and clear to the politicians who made decisions to in first place have institutions that are open uh, open and I think it um, you know to be able to see that it's ever undertaken Canada is because people were not brave enough to take any class action and I and my hats go off to the individuals who stood forward and said, we want to take this forward. Because I think you have to remember that although there, there is this class action suit, class action suit has happened, we need to recognize that people's lives are being talked about during this case. That what people went through is being talked about. That people have to relive what they went through institutions. And so their message should be, should be heard and understood by everyone. But why? Why are they taking this forward? 
You'd only have to talk to individuals who, who lived in institutions to be able to understand why they're taking their case forward and why they believe the, the government should be accountable um, to the people who live there. There's been no apology. There's been no, I'll say, when it comes down to that. And that's unfortunately when it comes down to government. As a, these people who lived in institutions were faced dramatically with different challenges and their families as well. Um, and I think that's where we need to cross the line and, and say that it's time to take a stance, whether you're against anyone or against the government. We need to take a stance. And that's what we are doing. And that's what they are doing. Corey, next question. What is the message that you think these class actions send to the healthcare system of Canada? And why should the message for the healthcare system be heard and understood. Corey? This message sends a, a, a language to the healthcare system that, A, um, why did this ever even happen in this system? Um, why did the healthcare, why didn't healthcare stand forward and the professionals stand forward and say, look at what these people went through around? But also remember that a lot of things that are in institutions um, there was a lot of medical care doctors uh, that referred people there. Playing this sense of message ground care to the healthcare system that enough is enough. No more needs to be done. But if we want to make this healthcare system better, we need to ensure that we invest our healthcare better out in the community rather than support institutions. And that's what this healthcare system did, and certainly in the province of material. Um, and I think that's where. Um, where people who lived in institutions were, whether they were on medication or et cetera, rather, for that matter, um, but really didn't get a whole lot of say and a whole lot of choices what they did. Um, but I believe that the healthcare system was also in a way as well, um, because certainly that they promote institution rather than promote uh, people to live out in the community. Um, and so I think that's what needs to happen. And the message... What we see is the healthcare system should be certainly um, understood and indicate very loud and clear that as we move forward, this should never, ever happen, and people should be accountable for what they've done. Um, and that begins with the Ministry of Health as well. I mean, all broader range, um, although we're dealing with just uh, government and stuff like that, um, but I think People need to recognize that uh, the, the what happened uh, in terms of healthcare system and stuff like that is wrong as well to individuals. Corey, it sounds to me as if the labeling affected everything that happened, including the way in which the healthcare system um, treated, you know, let, let's. Let's use words. People like me, as I used to be, physicians, um, psychiatrists, psychologists, lawyers, uh, yeah. were also caught up in the labeling. And because the label had such negative consequences, significance and consequences, the system reflected everything wrong um, that the labeling brought, indicated, and signaled. Now, Corey, I may be being a bit too strong in what I'm saying, but do you think I'm right? Hey, I, I, 
So, and I mean, it's certainly good for them to stuff like that because I think the fact is that people who are labeled, whether it be mentally, physically, et cetera, um, were put in there um, because of whether, and, and it could have been just a minor disability that they had, but they were still thrown in there. Um, it's because the healthcare system let them down. It's because the government let them down. Yeah. So the message, a message, maybe the message, um, will be no more labeling. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. No more labeling to, uh, to people who call have disability. Absolutely. Yeah. And therefore, help is okay. Discussion is okay. People treating each other um, respectfully and helpfully and cheerfully is where we have to go. And where people do need help, they should be given the help regardless of any any label whatsoever. And I hope I'm right in interpreting you in that way. Am I? Absolutely. We need a system that works for everyone, not just for one element. And we need a system that is for everyone. But at this point, people with disabilities um, are far too often the ones that are, uh, that are targeted first. Yeah. And I've said this before to you, and I'm going to say it again. I think what we're also battling with is history, a long, long history that predates Canada, probably, of the way in which people with these challenges were looked upon. Um, sometimes the parents were blamed, sometimes really bad things uh, you know, devils and evils were blamed. But I think your message, as I'm, as it's reaching me anyway, is that those times are over. The labels are too close to the those times, and we have to move ahead and do something else. And so that's what I think makes it a political challenge, in a way, with a small p, that we have to go on challenging government and the rest of it. Now, I'm going to just finish by saying something to you personally. You see, you, Corey, have been, you described to us the kind of challenges you've personally been through. Now, you are the president of an important national organization in Canada. You are living the instance, the example of what people can do and are capable of and why the labels should be torn away and torn up so that everybody has their chance to be whatever they want to be and whatever their abilities lead them into wanting to be. So can I leave you with that message and also our listeners and finish up by saying, Corey, thank you very much for everything you've said so well. Thank you very much for all your insights and for the advice you're giving, powerful advice. And I want to wish you and people first every success in what you're doing because it's important for Canada, it's important for everyone in Canada, and it's important to get rid of those labels. Now, in our next episode, we're going to be talking about hospitals communicating with family caregivers. So to our listeners, please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 